Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin, in for KJ and Max on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. Plus. Of course, all guests appear via the Goodyear hotline, and we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Courtney, I just I, I am absolutely blown away that it is such a foregone conclusion that Joe Judge will be back, that Daniel Jones is the guy that they feel like is the guy for the future with the Giants. Um, to me, as much as it's virtually a done deal that Dave Gettleman's going to be out, the Giants are going to find themselves in this very same situation one year from now. In three years, you have had the quarterback get injured on three separate occasions and miss time. Four separate occasions, really. Mm-hmm. And the head coach in the last two years has not done much to improve what the Giants are. So you're going to tell me that in a year where your salary cap is an absolute mess and you're going into next season and Daniel Jones is the guy that – somehow you're going to expect to win a lot more games than this year, and it's all of a sudden going to be infinitely better? Courtney, you are delaying the inevitable right now on both fronts. Not necessarily that they're ever going to get rid of Daniel Jones right now, because they can wait it out for another year, but like if they go into this offseason and they pick up a fifth-year option on him, boy, what a massive mistake that would be. I love reading New York and New Jersey headlines the day after another loss, whether it be for the Jets, who actually seem like they might be showing signs of improvement, or for the Giants. And this one from nj.nj.com, John Mara's decision on Joe Judge is more proof the Giants are a rudderless mess. (laughs) And he's right, and that comes from Steve Politi, I think is how you Mm -hmm. pronounce his name, from nj.com. And I can't wait to see what the uh, New York Post had to say about that, but The report that came out yesterday from ESPN's Adam Schefter that both Judge and Daniel Jones will be back in 2022 is not as surprising as I think most would think because this report's coming out right now on December 26th, like yesterday. Like, direction can change at any time between now and the end of the season and when they have to inevitably get a new general manager and figure out the direction that they're going. But this is a team that has been in a perennial state of rebuild for years. ESPN.com, my two colleagues, Jordan Ronan and Rich Semini, did a big piece last week on the dysfunction between both teams that play at MetLife Stadium for the last eight, nine, ten years and what's been the root of it. And I think with the New York Giants, they just can't make up their mind with the direction they want to go in. And I don't know if bringing back Joe Judge in the midst of all of you know the, the uncertainty with Daniel Jones, knowing that you're going to have a new general manager, is the right move. Because, like you said, they're delaying the inevitable. They're going to be doing this again probably in a year or two. I just think it's never the right decision to get rid of one and then not get rid of the other if it's not a situation where somebody's going into retirement, when it's basically, hey, we need to change course here. If you need to change course with the people who are forming your roster, you need to change course with the people 
that are coaching it because this is an undisciplined team that makes the same mistakes over and over again. Let's think back to that uh, Giants-Dallas game when they jumped off sides on the field goal. Like, how does that happen on the interior? Like, that's not – like, my goodness. Like, And this is a special teams coach. That's what bothers me the most about this whole thing where – you know, they get blown out yesterday by Philadelphia. They just have not looked good whatsoever. And Daniel Jones is still this mega question mark. We don't know what he is. And I think them bringing him back is probably the right move. And that might not be the most popular opinion among Giants fans, but there's reason for it because you still have time to figure out, give him this extended audition. But for when it comes to Joe Judge, I don't understand the report that came out. That's not the decision I agree with. Yeah, uh, look, Jones wasn't going anywhere. Let's be clear about that because he's got three years in. He's got, uh, they have to make the decision on the fifth-year option this offseason. And they're not picking that up. They're not picking that up. It's too expensive. They can't. And all you needed is, for an example is to what the Panthers just did with Sam Darnold. They picked it up, and they're on the hook for $20 million after they gave up a second-round pick. And as you pointed out in our conversations yesterday, they did it when they didn't even need to. Yeah. So if you're the Giants and you're thinking about that right now, that's too far ahead. But with Judge, he would not speculate, and I'm, I'm kind of using air quotes when I say that, about any coach's situation, including his own. Listen to Judge on this very topic. Just in regards to any kind of reports like that ever, I'm never going to comment on hypotheticals on jobs, mine or anybody else's. So that's just a blanket statement you're going to always hear from me, no matter what it is on who. So, Well, have you been told by your- I'm never going to comment on anything hypothetically about jobs, mine or anybody else's. I appreciate the question. I understand what you guys are asking. It doesn't matter if you're asking about me, Pat Graham, Jerry Shaplinsky, Jerome Henderson. I'm just telling you, like, I'm never going to comment on that in a press conference, guys. I appreciate what you have to ask completely understand it just understand the way i'm going to answer the question yeah uh, listen that's not speculation when you're being asked if you've they've told you anything and it's a yes or no question yeah and it's clear i mean john john mara and ownership thought they had their bill belichick with joe judge and you've seen more negative than positive um the other thing too is just simply this when you are making decisions courtney based off of what you think was a mistake a few years back for firing Ben McAdoo after just two years. And now you're going to do the same thing with judge two wrongs. Don't make a right. You know, Ben McAdoo was not the answer. Then I'm not sure why they feel like they just uh, went out and, and cut him loose entirely too soon. Does that now make it the right thing to do for your organization moving forward when you really haven't seen anything pay off? And this, let's call it what it is. Joe Judge is another Bill Belichick disciple who simply tries to be very similar to Belichick and it doesn't work. You know, you talked about that penalty. All we heard in the preseason was about all of the push-ups and the laps and all the things that they're doing. How's, How's that, that working work out? out? How's Great. that working out? 
No, I mean, it's just, it's egregious at this point. You have a coach that's 11 games below 500, and you're now asking him if he stays around. And, and yeah, Schefter did hedge on this report, and rightfully so, because he's saying if, you know, the new general manager, whomever they bring in, which please, Giants, don't do the Giants thing where you hire from within. And, you it know, can't be Kevin it, Abrams. It, I mean, it just can't be. I mean, is he not the person who has them in salary cap hell right now? Yeah. Like, are you going to put that person well, in a position where he's now running the CEO portion of your football team from a football perspective? I just think it's not smart. But, like, who wants to come in and, and take over a roster that is built from the outside in? Like, my colleague Jordan Ronan, who covers the Giants for ESPN's NFL Nation, has this great saying. I mean, he said they've been in a perennial like, – they've been in offensive line rebuilding mode for eight seasons. Like, they get skill players. They can absolutely do that. They can get your cornerback. They can get you a safety. They can do all those things. They can't fix what's going on in the trenches with their offensive line. And that's a problem. So if you're a general manager coming in, like, how are you looking at this roster? You know what this roster is. You're inheriting a mess right now that has no clear direction at quarterback, and you're also inheriting a head coach who has not been able to fix any of that, even from, like, a discipline perspective with your personnel. Like, your players are at a point now where it almost feels like what the coach is telling them is going in one ear and out the other. Look how undisciplined they've been in games. I mean, I still think back to, remember when they almost beat Kansas City on the road on Monday Night Football, (laughs) and because there was a taunting penalty in the second half, that was like literally like the, the, the first... The first line, uh, uh, you know, of you know, the first the first screw up that they had that ended up catapulting their chances in that game, and that was a special teams player. So I mean, that's the thing that just it frustrates me with them. Like I don't know what this succession plan is going to be because if you bring somebody in to fulfill the GM role and you still have a head coach who's doing things his way and not seeing much success from it, what are you doing? delaying the inevitable like and I understand that with Ben McAdoo and the way that things went down there and and why he was out and and, you know they tried to they tried to fix it there it only put a band-aid over a much larger problem which I just think is they don't know the direction that they want to go in look they seem just like the word that you used earlier that that Jordan and everybody has talked about rudderless and Steve Politti this morning on NJ.com rudderless that it feels rudderless in so many ways with one of the NFL's cornerstone franchises. Tune in to the ESPN Daily Podcast, bringing you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters. Presented by Supercuts, download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily, available wherever you enjoy your podcasts. The Browns are America's Remember the Titans team. Oh, we love Baker Mayfield and everything that he's doing. Baker always like has always loved having fun. It just does not feel like to me he's been having that much fun this season. You know, I don't know if he's the blonde kid at quarterback from Remender to Titans. Because, you know, I don't know if that kid's going to go out there and throw four interceptions like Baker did the other night. Aaron Goldhammer, ESPN Cleveland. Set to join us, Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin, in for TJ and Max on ESPN Radio. And, of course, on your smart speaker, join us on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. One of our big topics today, who is the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC? We know, unfortunately, that it is not 
the Cleveland Browns as we welcome in Aaron Goldhammer from ESPN Radio Cleveland. Aaron, I'm sorry. I'm not even a Browns fan. I was sickened by watching Baker Mayfield the oh. other night. What has been the reaction off of that game the other night? Well, you guys, in five days, the Browns played two of the biggest heartbreakers you're ever going to see in the NFL. They they lose on Monday with 21 players and 11 starters out because of a COVID outbreak. And then we gave them no chance. We, we said Saturday that it would take a Christmas miracle from Santa and company for them to go to Lambeau and be able to pull that off. And they were right there. They were at the 50-yard line. Um, and it was just soul-crushing. You, you know, it was amazing. Normally in that spot, you need your quarterback to make a couple of plays. But the Browns were running the ball so well like 8.8 yards a carry every time Nick Chubb or Dearness Johnson touched it. I think the greatest frustration after the game was that they put the ball in Mayfield's hands because most Browns fans that were watching this whole season just wanted them to hand off and thought that they could score and win literally by handing off and not even throwing a pass. They throw a pass. He throws interception number four. And now, you know, the Browns are back. In quarterback hell, you know, we're, we're going to be talking mocks, you know, we're going to be talking, you know, can we get Russell Wilson? We're, we're going to be, you know, find me, my quarterback, my, my co-host in Cleveland, Tony Rizzo is going to be screaming. I mean, that, that's, that's where this thing is headed. Let's hear from Baker the other night. Uh, what went wrong with those four interceptions? I don't think it was anything preparation wise, mentally. It was just uh missed throws on uncharacteristic and, I hurt this team, so that's that's the most frustrating thing for me because I thought our defense played tremendous against a really, really good offense. Uh, but when you turn the ball over on your own territory in the red zone and around midfield and give them extra opportunities, they're going to take advantage of it. I mean, uh, it's just uh, who they are. So if we assume that they do miss the playoffs, do you will they move on from him or will they try to do something short-term with him? Well, this is the $75 jillion question, but you know, I, 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 my sense, you guys, and this is just my opinion. I, I don't know that it's based like in any grand reporting that I've done, but the Browns are telling you what they think about Baker Mayfield by the fact that they haven't really even opened contract discussions with him yet. Right. I mean, that's as opposed to something they say in a press conference. Don't listen to what they say. Listen to the way they act. So I think there's a good chance, you know, that he'll be back next year. If he is, I think there is going to be real veteran competition in Cleveland for him. And then I think there's a chance that this relationship just blows up. You guys, you know, the, the other thing you got to consider here is does Baker still really want to be in Cleveland? after everything that's gone on this year? And might he benefit from a change of scenery? So I, I think you got to look at the relationship and how it's working both ways. And then I guess the last thing I'll say is like, who could the Browns get, right? Because if if you're going to tell me that you're going to draft some guy in the third round and go out and play him, like, I don't want to do that. But if you're going to tell me Aaron Rodgers wants to come to Cleveland, yeah, uh, Baker, uh, you, you can go uh, do progressive commercials down in New Orleans with Sean Payton for all I care. 
I just don't understand, though. I mean, we put so much blame on Baker Mayfield. I mean, he is the one that went out there and threw three pit, four picks, three of which uh, Aaron Rodgers was able to turn into points once the mm-hmm. Packers' offense got back on the field. How much blame are we putting on Kevin Stefanski, though? I mean, for some reason, he chose to keep airing it out with his offense, and it wasn't great. I mean, they have a rushing attack that averaged 8.76 yards per carry. Most of that, I get it, came from Nick Chubb. But, man, like, what the heck is that plan there when Baker's not playing well, yet you're still forcing things through the air? Yeah, Courtney, midfield, three timeouts, a minute to go. You actually don't want to rush in that spot because you don't want to give Aaron Rodgers any time. So I I thought the play-calling decisions were ridiculous, and I thought they were nonsensical. But here, here, I guess, is the counterpoint to that. I mean, at some point in the NFL in 2021, you have to throw the ball. Whether it's this week or next week or the week after that, if you don't have any trust and faith in your quarterback to be able to throw the ball in a situation like that, I mean, I I don't care if you happen to win that one game. You're not going anywhere as a team if you can't put the ball in your quarterback's hands and expect him to go down the field, the length of the field, and win you a game. So... You know, the Browns are steadfastly sticking by Baker, but I I actually, this is sad to say, I had more confidence in the Browns practice squad kicker on on Saturday than I did in Baker Mayfield. I had more confidence in Nick Mullins, who came off the practice squad to play quarterback on Monday night in a big spot, than I did in Baker Mayfield. And, you know, the, the officials contributed to it. It was a defensive hold, but... Ultimately, Baker makes the big mistake again, can't get it done in the big spot again. And here we are, the most talented team, probably the best team in the AFC North, but your quarterback is submarined your whole season. Aaron Goldhammer, ESPN Radio Cleveland, joining us right now via the Goodyear hotline. Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin in for KJ and Max this morning on ESPN Radio. All right, last one from me, Aaron. Where's the fan base right now on the entire situation around the Browns do they still have faith in Stefanski do they still have faith in leadership when it comes to making the right decision here on Mayfield well uh, on Stefanski I would say that the honeymoon is over you know have we gotten the crazies and the drunks to scream and tell us they want to fire him yes but no sane Browns fan wants to make a coaching change this offseason he was the coach of the year last year and you've got to give him a little bit more time, uh, obviously. On on Mayfield, you know, I, I think probably 90% of the fan base was squarely behind him, or more, 95%, after what the Browns did last year, going into Pittsburgh, winning a playoff game. He's lost at least half of it, you know, throughout the course of this season. So I, I think our audience is split 50-50 on do you give him another year or is there a chance Baker Mayfield's about to start his last two games as a member of the Cleveland Browns? Okay. So we know that there is an outside chance, but there still is a chance for them to make the postseason. I've been trying to compute with my brain, all of these strange scenarios in the AFC North, they can technically still go from worst to first and win the AFC North. How does that happen? All right, so the the crazy thing is they had a bunch of things happen on Sunday to help them. Cincinnati beat Baltimore. Here's what they need. 
they need Pittsburgh to lose again, right? So they, they need Kansas City to, to beat Pittsburgh yesterday, which that happened. Now they need Kansas City to go to uh, Cincinnati and win next week, right? And then I, they need to beat Pittsburgh on Monday night. And if that happens and Baltimore loses, which Baltimore has the Rams. So, guys, think about this. All of those teams, like, if the chalk holds, if the favorite wins, the Browns are still in position to do this. Here's the problem. The most unlikely part of the scenario is the Browns going to Pittsburgh and winning, and then the Browns beating Cincinnati at home in the last week of the season. I think if the Browns can take care of their business – this has a legitimate shot of happening, but I just have no faith that they can actually take care of their business after watching them for 15 games. Aaron Goldhammer, ESPN Radio, Cleveland. Awesome stuff as usual, man. Thanks. Thank you, guys. And, Courtney, I just I don't see where any of this is going to end well for Mayfield. I, if you're the Browns and you're either going to franchise him or actually try to keep him on a two-year deal that's reasonable money, I think you are just asking for more of the same with Mayfield. I, I keep coming back to this point. When we deal with young quarterbacks now, when you are dealing with three to three and a half to four years in, if you're still searching for the answer, chances are you've already got it. You just don't want to admit it. Do we give any sort of leeway, though, or any lead? Is a leash a little longer just because of the shoulder injury? Like, I know he's been playing through it, and I guess he's fine now, but this version of Baker Mayfield, do you need to see a little bit more time just knowing that you did have a lot happen earlier in the season that affected his play? I mean, his top receiver got traded midway through the season, and I know that compilation that was out there that was put together of him missing Odell Beckham Jr. and all those throws is not a good look for Baker Mayfield. But is there any sort of belief that you just need to give him a little bit more time? I mean, think about it. How quickly do we sometimes give up on these first-round picks and then they go end up shining somewhere else? The quarterback position is different. We look at it under a microscope, and it's, you know, it, it's the right thing to do to not go knee-jerk reaction on everything. I don't know if the franchise tag is the answer for Baker Mayfield. If they would have gotten a, done, a deal done before the season, it's a completely different conversation. But that is an expensive price tag, Chris. It's going to be north of $22 million next year. What if you work out something on a short-term deal where you front load it with some guarantees, you give him a chance to prove it for one more year, and then you can be talking about the extension. That's... He picked up his fifth-year option in 18, so we know that they're on the hook next year for one more year of Baker. Why not just let him run run course on the five years and, and then make the decision? That's what they have in front of them, and there's an argument to be made for it, certainly. It's just whether or not they believe that the injury is a good enough reason for that to be the case. It's Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin for Keyshawn J. Will and Max presented by Progressive Insurance. All guests appear via the Goodyear hotline. Has one singular decision in the AFC North really set a team back for several years? We'll tell you why it has. It's next. Keyshawn J. Will and Max, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric E-Bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. 
Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. My big takeaway, and I don't know that I needed just this week to see it, but is that this is the end of the line for Ben in Pittsburgh. Sometimes it's hard to see, you know, watch. You know, to have a point where it was 30 to nothing, that they just have to look in a different direction at the quarterback position. That should have been said a year ago for Pittsburgh. It's Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin. In for Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and on your smart speaker by saying play ESPN Radio. Courtney, what's amazing to me is that the Steelers, who are so often a forward-thinking organization, will be the team that never has any problem moving on from somebody sooner rather than later, allowed themselves to get caught up in the sentimentality so to speak of Ben Roethlisberger and letting that play out I get it I get the history there I get the two Super Bowls and three appearances after what happened last season it was awfully difficult to really excuse bringing him back and I just don't get why they did and here they are in this situation where he's gonna he's gonna be gone and maybe they have set this team back a couple of years because the succession plan is not exactly in place yeah and the hard thing is watching ben roethlisberger go out in the in this moment right like because the win streak last year felt so inflated, and we all knew it was when they are just thundering through the NFL. He's, you know, having putting up great numbers, comparatively speaking to himself and where he was at earlier points of his career. We're like, hey, this late 30-year-old Ben Roethlisberger is not as bad and, you know, might actually hold the candle to the younger Ben Roethlisberger that we all grew to know over the last, you know, since 2004 when he started with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like, there's a lot there. And then now we're kind of watching – we're we're watching the end of his career in slow motion, and it's honestly kind of sad. Like when you look last night at the strip sack um, at the end of the game in the fourth quarter, and just like, is that the way that you want to like remember him? Like he said that he did not. He asked like not to be pulled after the strip sack, and said, "I don't want to be done. I want to keep going." At some point, it's like just 
like I understand what Mike Tomlin is doing and I understand like why he has to make these moves and you know still keeping your veteran you know Hall of Fame quarterback potentially like in mind there but it just kind of feels like a guy who's not ready to let go and because he's not ready to let go it's pulling down the entire franchise with him oh there's no doubt there's no doubt and the other thing I think they fooled themselves into believing is that maybe they were a better team this year than they actually are. And that's what we're seeing play out, especially on the defensive side. Here's Cam Hayward after that blowout yesterday in Kansas City, still thinking that they're not done yet. You know, I didn't accept We got a lot of football left to play. And, you know, I think you know, a lot will be said in these last two games. And I, I know it wasn't perfect today. I know it breaks my heart. Let her, not only our, our fans down, but you know, I let our team down to go out like that. But man, I ain't ready to throw them in the damn town. We got a lot of football left and two games to you know see where we can fall. Maybe, but mm-hmm. they've got Cleveland and at Baltimore. Roethlisberger is going to be playing his last home game of his career this week, uh, this coming Sunday, and then after that, my inclination would be to believe that they'll have a decision to make as to whether or not to play him in the last game because I'm not sure it's going to mean anything. Like, how are we going to remember him these final two games, the last two games of the Ben Roethlisberger era? They're not completely out of the playoffs. Yes, I know. We've talked about every AFC North team. We just talked with Aaron Goldhammer about the Browns. And, yeah, there technically is still a chance that they could get in. There's technically still a chance here that the Steelers could get in. Um, but it's just it's it's just sad to see because where he's at at this point of his career, they just were so ineffective offensively. Like they were down twenty three to zero at halftime. And you can say what you want about Roethlisberger and this offense. And I know they achieved a historically bad mark last night uh, in terms of going five straight games without scoring in the first half. I believe that that's a record that dates all the way back to the 1940s. I don't know if this group cares about making NFL history in a bad way like that. But beyond that, what you're seeing with the offense, there's far too many short passes on third and long that don't come anywhere close to the first down marker. And when your defense that's on the field for two-thirds of the first half and then fails to come up with a big play after forcing four turnovers and the win over Tennessee, like, it's just like this collective, like, just melting pot of just a mess for this Pittsburgh Steelers team. And again, say what you want about Roethlisberger, say what you want about the offense, it has not been good this year. But whatever the heck is going on with this defense, and I know Cam Hayward doesn't think that they're done, whatever – they are lacking physicality. Like, they look like they leave their starters at home when they have the first halves that they do and let teams jump out to double-digit 20-point leads on them. They are having a historically bad year defending the run, and, and coincidentally, they actually did okay with that last night. Big picture-wise, through 16 weeks, though, not looking good for them. It's just, like, uncharacteristic. Like, you can't have your quarterback... The guy that you're sending out here and he's going to be sent out on a sour note, you can't have him be failing and the offense be failing. And the one unit of your team that's supposed to be a stalwart is supposed to be physical all the time and supposed to like impose its will on teams. It's not doing that. So literally, it's a recipe for disaster from the offense to the defense, top to bottom. And it's unfortunate because we're sending Ben Roethlisberger off this season into retirement 
and we're not going to remember the end of his career on a good note. It's going to be, hey, this guy stayed past his prime. He probably should have retired the year that they made the postseason and bowed out early, and instead they might re- they might replace they might not even make the postseason at this point, and, and it's just tough to see. It is brutal. It is absolutely brutal, and. They have nobody to blame on this front but themselves. Listen to the Man in the Arena podcast, a 10-part series exploring how sports impacts our everyday lives through the lens of Tom Brady's career, brought to you by ZipRecruiter, available wherever you get your podcasts. Up next, the Giants are sticking with Joe Judge, so what does it mean if they bring in a new GM? The answer from Rex Ryan. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max Podcast. Joe Judge and Daniel Jones are going to be brought back to the Giants for next year. It's pretty clear that Judge and Daniel Jones have a very good work relationship. I would be shocked if either one of them was not with the New York Giants next year. Biggest problem, though, not the relationship between Judge and the organization or Judge and Daniel Jones, but Judge and whoever the new GM is. It's Chris Carlin, Courtney Cronin for Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and on your smart speaker by saying play ESPN Radio, also on Sirius XM Channel 80. Courtney, that's the biggest thing here. When we talk about the idea of bringing in a new GM this offseason, and a team that is in salary cap hell, not too far off from maybe quarterback hell, you cannot anticipate this being a much different situation a year from now. So almost to me, if if you're John Mara and you want to say, we're going to bring Joe Judge back, why don't you just say we're going to bring him back for two years? Because you're not going to be good next year either, and that's not going to give you a better feel about your coach. Yeah, and I mean, you brought up the salary cap hell that at the you know under the leadership of of Dave Gettleman, and I know he's not creating the contract and doing that; he's just pulling, you know, you know, pulling the strings on which players come in, which players come out. I mean, this team is penny pinching its way just to try to get through the rest of the regular season. Like, do you think that that's really going to get all that much better next year? Like, if they don't, if they're going to go new GM. Same head coach, same quarterback, and a quarterback that you're going to have to either give a short-term extension to, basically a prove-it deal, or do something else because you're sure as heck not going to be picking up his fifth-year option. It just feels like this is such a one-foot-in, one-foot-out type move where ownership's trying to 
remedy a big issue, which I think has been roster construction and the players that you're bringing in and building from the outside with the skill position players in and not really addressing the offensive line nearly as much as it needed to be, which certainly plays into Daniel Jones' struggles here. Uh, let's not kid ourselves here. He does not had a good an offensive line, good enough offensive line to play behind, but it, it, I don't. I don't, I, I don't want to give this thing so much credence to believe that on December 26th when this report broke that this is exactly the direction they're going to go because there may be a GM that they bring in who says, I cannot operate with this guy as my head coach, and maybe they pivot in, re- in reverse course or go a different direction. But regardless, the one thing in that entire, in that entire um, equation that's not changing Daniel Jones will be there in 2022. It's just a matter of like how much longer beyond that. Well, let's talk about that and more with a guy who knows an awful lot about coaching in New York. It is Rex Ryan, ESPN NFL analyst, joining us. Chris Carlin and Courtney Cronin in for KJ and Max Rex on ESPN Radio. And we're just talking about the whole situation with the Giants. And, you know, I've heard what you've had to say a little bit before on it. But just the idea, Rex, and and you've unfortunately been in this situation of uh, being a head coach and having a new GM come in and trying to build a relationship where it doesn't necessarily – it wasn't a marriage that was put together or there was any pre-existing relationship there to begin with. If the Giants do that, if they keep their head coach and they move on from their GM, how much of a problem is that from that dynamic? Well, I mean, I, I could just go in my own case, and and nothing against John Idzik. John is, you know, Idzik is a a good football man, but his his view of players were a lot different than mine, and I knew what I needed to do schematically. He had a longer picture view, where mine obviously was about a win now view, and I think if Joe Judge, he's going to want to win right now. And he's going to want players that fit into his schemes right now, whatever those are, by the way. Um, but that's what he's going to want. And is and if they they mesh together, that's fine. If they don't, then it's a problem, and and you end up, you know, they run both of you out of town like they did it's again. I. What do they do with all their draft capital that they have? I know that it's not a great quarterback market as of right now with the draft class that we've seen of course maybe somebody will rise through the senior bowl combine what have you but as of right now they're supposed to be picking I think it's five and six knowing that Daniel Jones is apparently still within their future plans how do you think they address either the quarterback position knowing that they have high draft capital or do they use those picks differently no they're definitely gonna if Joe Judge if you want him around you're not taking a quarterback. You're you're going to try to build a team. And look, they built this football team to try to win right now. They did that this year, and it was an epic fail. Um, but they're still going to do the same thing. So could they draft a lineman, somebody on defense that can get you know, immediate help? That's what I think this team's going to do. They're not going to take a quarterback. They, they believe in Daniel Jones. And, and quite honestly, his talent level – uh, you know, we just haven't seen it. Like he he, he hasn't played with any type of consistency. So, um, but I think the talent is there, uh, and I think that's what they're going to do. There, no way if they draft a quarterback, Joe Judge might as well pack his bags and 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 see you later. I mean, well, it's not going to happen. 
Well, how come they do believe in Daniel Jones as much as they do in wanting to bring him back? Like, what gives them the belief, considering they haven't seen him all that much this season because of the injury, and they also know that it's going to take a lot to fix that offensive line that's in front of him. It almost feels like they set him up for failure by putting him behind that unit. Yeah, and everybody's been out. Saquon certainly hadn't helped. He hadn't been the same guy uh, since his rookie year. Um, so they're, you know, their whole thing is all right. If we can get Saquon healthy, um, and then you know, Ingram, Shepard, all these guys have been out. So there's no consistency, no no rhythm in this in in this type of offense based on injuries and everything else. Gone through another coordinator. Here he goes again. But I, I think that's that's what they're going to do. And to me, the protection has never been a strong suit. You know, the offensive line, uh, the hog mollies or whatever uh, yeah. Gettleman called them. He that was that that hadn't hit. So uh, you know, yes, they but they got to put a couple of those pieces in there, and then let's see the real Daniel Jones when he has protection, when he has a, a healthy receiving core, and let's see what he can do. Rex Ryan joining us, ESPN NFL analyst Rex. The Chiefs are rolling. Who is the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC, if there is one? I, I tell you what. I mean, the Chiefs look so dominant right now. But I, I, I think the, the Indianapolis Colts, that, that's a team that's scary. And what makes them scary is the fact that they can run the ball on anybody. We saw them destroy uh, Buffalo running the football. We saw them do the same thing to the, to the Patriots. And there's no reason to, to think they can't run the ball against Kansas City. So to me, that that's going to be an issue. And you can have Patrick Mahomes and all of his weapons on the sideline while they watch Jonathan Taylor and company run the ball down their throat. That That's one thing. And they, they force turnovers on defense. So those are two, two reasons why I think the Colts probably, uh, you know, present the biggest problems. Now here's the wild card. The wild card to me is the Tennessee Titans. And we've seen them play good defense. We've seen them knock off a ton of good football teams when they, you know, uh, when they were healthy with Derrick Henry. If Derrick Henry comes back and he's the Derrick Henry of old, he's going to have fresh legs. And to me, you can ride his back, uh, you know, in these games. And and there's no reason to think they can't be a player in uh, in these playoffs. Also. Buffalo Bills even things out in their series with the New England Patriots this season, a 33-21 win in Foxborough in Week 16. We saw Josh Allen throw 47 passes yesterday, and he looked really good, 314 yards, three touchdowns. Can they get that type of performance out of him more regularly, or do you think they're going to need to lean on the run game way more than they have if they want to make a deep run in the postseason? Well, I think their run game, unfortunately, is their quarterback. Uh, he's, he's you know, leads their team in rushing. Um, you know, he did again yesterday as well. Um, but they always can get that kind of play out of Josh. Josh Allen's a, an, an amazing player. Um, their defense is what's going to have to to step up, and they they got to prove that they can stop a run, um, you know, in the playoffs to have a deep run. In my opinion, Rex, awesome stuff. We appreciate it as usual. Oh, my pleasure, guys. Yep, Rex Ryan, ESPN NFL analyst, and listen, he's been all over the the judge stuff all year, mm-hmm. and it's you know a lot of people. Uh, Listen to Rex and say that, all right, well, is it just Rex being Rex? I don't think so. You hear him talk about Judge and the schemes? You know, Courtney, I, I just, I don't see it. I don't see where this is headed. I don't. It's a bizarre Headed towards situation. disaster. Yeah. And they, 
seemingly are more than willing at this point to let that play out for another year and set the organization back even a little bit further. Two NFC teams clinch divisions are either an actual threat to the Packers. Answer next. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio.